Welcome to the Waffle Attack Podcast with your hosts, the beautiful Syrup Boys, <laughs> Taylor and Isaac. What's up, Isaac? Uh, it's uh, definitely winter time now, um, and waffles are uh, a pretty great breakfast. Totally. We uh, This is actually the Attack Action Podcast, um, so in case you worried you were listening to the wrong oh, episode. This could be somebody's first episode. Yeah, huh? totally. Right. Uh, we just had, I made waffles this morning for breakfast. Me and Isaac had a little slumber party in separate rooms, separate beds. Um, but then I made waffles this morning. So we're just, just feeling pretty good, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, welcome to our podcast. Um, today's episode is going to be about um, our thoughts on the waffle recipes. Well, <laughs> uh, oh, geez. Uh, it's going to be our thoughts on kind of the future of the game and um, what the release of Monarch is going to mean for the cards uh, that we currently have and cards that will come out and that sort of thing. And then we're also going to talk about uh, cards we think are really interesting that are not played that often. And there will be kind of some interplay in between cards we think are going to uh, give us insights into what we could expect from Monarch, uh, as well as cards that we think could be played more or just aren't played but are interesting. Right. Our topic is just kind of cards, Yeah, I guess. Like, And some of them may have an interesting mechanic that may not be underutilized because it might not have the accompanying cards yet. Or maybe it's underutilized now. Um, a lot of these cards will kind of blur those lines. But. Yeah, uh, totally. Uh, so we'll start off with just a little bit of news. So obviously uh, this is an episode that's coming out in December and we didn't have two episodes in November and that's just because of the Thanksgiving holiday. Just made it too hard for us to try to get in uh, two episodes in that month. Yeah, don't get too attached to a schedule. <laughs> We're going to do two a month. Yeah. Kind of. Kind of. Mostly. Yeah. So moving moving forward into December now, right? Big holidays coming up, Christmas, New Year's. Really can't do anything for those, but we are going to take the time um, to kind of celebrate those holidays and, uh, you know, just have some time at home or not at home. Maybe hanging out. I don't know. Yeah. We've talked totally. about that. But so we will have another episode this month. It'll be a little shorter. Uh, I'm going to put out a solo episode um, about kind of teaching flesh and blood uh, to new players. Um, so I'm a teacher and a coach. And so that's something I think about a lot of the time. And I interviewed my friend Thomas, who was here for Thanksgiving. Um, and so we just kind of talked about him learning the new game, learning the game and, and that sort of thing. So those will be coupled together in a shorter episode that will come out around Christmas time. And Thomas is also a brand new player. Shout out to Thomas. What's up, Thomas? Yeah. Hey, Thomas. Um, he is a brand new player to Flesh and Blood and you guys played a lot of reps also. So very like on point with the whole topic for your next yeah, episode. Totally. And I think he has some interesting thoughts about the game. 
ex magic player also yeah or current magic i don't know not i think he's ex no hate on magic just yeah i think all of us are ex magic players you know the whole flesh and blood <laughs> to some community. degree yeah probably yeah. There was a funny joke I think on the Facebook like, "Hey, what do what do we call each like ourselves, the play the player base, you know?" And somebody's joke was like just uh fab players should just be called ex magic players. <laughs> magic divorcees. Yeah, totally. It's just pretty funny. So, so look forward to that um right around Christmas so when you're like hanging out with your cousins or you're like uh, brother or sister-in-law and you're like hey you want to play this card game you'll be maybe more adept at teaching them the game totally yeah so that's what that's there for um isaac you had like a shout out you wanted to throw down oh um yeah uh team covenant who we love mm-hmm. um just had a episode on their podcast where they interviewed one of the uh game creators and uh james white yeah and it's, I mean, it's a really good interview. You guys should check it out. But um, kind of a couple main points we wanted to reiterate. It just, uh, you know, they, I guess he like reassured us or me that this game is for the players, right? There's supposedly going to be no power creep, right? Just to like sell you new cards. Mm-hmm. And uh, additions or whatever you call it won't be phased out sets yeah there's yeah. no rotation so you know with this next one the first one doesn't get phased out which i also think is just like a money making scheme yeah um uh, really appreciative yeah so this. those two things is there anything else in that no main? that's kind of it i mean that that podcast did kind of spur kind of some of our thoughts um but we'll get to that when we get to our main topic right you know the other part of that cast um, but yeah, hopefully we'll be playing this game for decades and it will be truly for the players. Totally. And I'll have 10,100 cards to choose from yep. to build my decks with. And a wall of trophies. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, and a flipping goblet. Oh yeah, the champion's chalice. Yep. So we still haven't had our December tournament. So look look forward to that on the Facebook page results and our, our next podcast yeah we're working it out we're gonna have it soon working it out yeah it's definitely it's definitely tough now that the holidays are around people's schedules are all off and weird you know and covid's on a rampage yeah. um so everybody's quarantined mm. there's holiday plans and travel and family interactions on you know so yeah, it's just totally. tough to getting complicated but safely get everybody together to play we're just building the new future together you yep. know and forgetting about the the before times. Speaking of building the new future, is that a segue to our next topic? Sorry, you're the notes keeper at this time. <laughs> yeah. Never mind. Good try, co-host. Uh, I wanted to mention that we have an affiliate link with Fab Foundry. Yeah. Um, so please make sure if you're listening to this podcast and you need singles, go to Fab Foundry, right? Click the affiliate link in our show notes. Like, don't just go there and use the uh, discount code. Like, click the affiliate link because that um, tells Fab Foundry that, like, you came from us and that we're worth sponsoring and that sort of thing. And it, it just helps everybody out and grows the community. It's, like, just a really little thing that goes a long way. Um, so for this episode, we're going to talk about quite a few specific cards and the list of those cards will be in the show notes. 
And then if you click the affiliate link, use the following code underplayed10, you will get 10% off of the listed cards for this podcast. So if you buy any of those singles, you'll get them. And um, I think as of this recording, the uh, Arcane Rising singles just went up on the website at Fab Foundry. Oh, yeah. Today, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, Fab Foundry is like a great um, just content creator for the game. Um, they make, or he, they make different forms of content, and they're really in it to uh, spread the love of flesh and blood. Yeah. Cracking packs and listening to tracks. Totally. And the lottery balls and all kinds of... Uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> Check it out. It's like the best pack opening, I think. I think. He also had like a Black Friday sale and a Cyber Monday. So there's uh, just deals and all kinds of stuff going on all the time. Yeah. Check them out. Yep. And so this uh, promo code will be available until December 18th, and at which time he's going to shut down the site and kind of take time for the holidays himself. And then um, be back up in the new year. Uh, So, yeah. Here we go. So, is there anything you want to talk about before we get into our main topics? Um, Um, I don't think so. Do you want to just give a little update on uh, Viscerai and Azalea? Oh, right. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, if you're a longtime listener of our podcast you've made it through all six episodes you would know that episode five we did a deep dive into the heroes ranger and runeblade azalea and viscerai um and so we're still constantly like working on those decks reiterating getting reps in and that sort of thing so we did want to talk about kind of like where we are now compared to where we were then so since i just started talking how about you talk about where azalea is oh sure yeah i'll go first um and we're discussing earlier how uh just the whole azalea machine like her mechanic of death dealer drawing you a card and azalea cycling cards are like a very powerful way to move through your deck faster and to see more cards yeah Um, card velocity right uh so regardless of how good you think her cards are at the moment that uh gameplay mechanic is very powerful right like because of the way you build your whole deck strategy which we've talked about like all cards in your deck are for the strategy the fact that azalea can see so many of her cards before your opponent can is one of her um best qualities right yeah is like what she can lean into that other classes can't and cards like uh uh, you know, other characters who have to pay are maybe more pigeonholed into their certain cost curve. Azalea's uh, Death Dealer ability only costs one. So cards that uh, maybe like Scars or Feign Deaths or Nimble Strikes or whatever that aren't online yet, you can also like cycle for later, maybe much easier or more fluidly, and they replace themselves for that turn. Right. Um. So, so where where are you now with the deck? What's okay. your... So that being said, um, it's also like a pretty complex and difficult to play deck. So, uh, you know, it's like small techs and then a lot of testing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I kind of left it at uh, maybe mid-range uh, dominate 
-hmm. where you can kind of put mid-range pressure on or you can slow it down and get damage through. I've been trying to move uh, flex maybe a little wider or more aggro, um, either with the staple deck or with my sideboard um, when necessary, right? Um, so some new cards I've been trying in the deck are Sikkim Shot mm -hmm. and uh, Nimble Strike. Just two red Nimble Strikes and three red Nimbleisms. Um, and then I've been trying Yellow Ravenous Rabble um, because Yellow is a pretty good pitch card for Azalea. So maybe if those show up later on, uh, they're pretty good because later on, as we all know, you have much less choice in what you're doing. So just a free damage card with Go Again um, may be good. We'll see if any of these work out. More testing to be done. Um, another thing I'm doing right now, I I cut razors. I'm running one razor right now, maybe for late game. I just found them uh, ineffective cost-wise and not moving towards my personal win condition. Mm -hmm. If I'm able to flex wider with this deck, they may go back in because I discover how to make... It's just... You know, I'd much rather have a Foresight than a Razor or, you know, right. whatever. Yeah. Um, I took Blue Whispers out and put Blue Searing Shots in. Um, Yellow Whisper, Whisper of the Oracles are right. still in there. I took the Blues out because they weren't good in a pinch, but most of the time they're blocking or pitching, and then the Blue Whispers are maybe not as good late game as a free arrow that essentially hits for three in the blue searing shots. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll see if that works. Uh, the last card I'm sideboarding is Enchanting Melody, uh, which is quite expensive for Azalea. But um, in some of these games where you have to slow it way down and uh, put in these big dominate arrows and like trade damage, maybe against Controlled Viscerai or specifically Guardian, I'm trying to figure out ways... Because Azalea cannot just save a red unmovable in Arsenal, mm -hmm. I'm trying to figure out ways to, uh, you know, just get a net positive damage trade with a character yeah. like Guardian. Yeah. And uh, not and get it, crushed. Yeah. An Enchanting Melody is a, a card that goes a long way to doing that. Um, still needs to be tested, but, uh, you know, I pretty often play non attack actions, which is a requirement for keeping it in play. Right. Yep. All right, sorry, that was a lot of uh, cards listed and not explained, but if you are following our Ranger in Viscerai Belt, you, you know what I'm talking about. Totally. Pass it over to you. Ooh, passes the mic. Uh, okay, so with Viscerai, I cut Gorgonian Tome, which felt great. I had that in there, cut it, get it out of here. Um, nice, no remorse. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> no regrets. The The big thing, I haven't changed too many cards around um one of the additions is strength potion was pretty big uh so strength potion gives your next gives an attack plus two and so what that allows me to do is typically i was like building up rune chance and then waiting around to try to get to a slogged uh ascendancy play with a buttload of rune chance um, but that really kind of wasn't working out in every matchup um so i needed to be able to like get ascendancy off 
for more and I wasn't really liking pummels. I think I had pummels in the deck at that point and they just felt like too much to pay for at the time, like all at once, you know, um, I, you know, you could, you still could pummel an ascendancy, um, but I, I liked the slogism play better personally for my playstyle. So what I did was add the strength potion, which then allows red oath of the arc knight and red come to fights to be plus five, basically, is how I think of it. So now I have, instead of just two yellow slogisms, I also have, once I have a strength potion out there, five more cards that can get ascendancy up to ten. And those are maybe sometimes easier to play. So that was a big addition to be able to just ascendancy more regularly, which then led me into just kind of playing the deck more. So I've just like kind of have only been playing Runeblade and haven't really been playing Warrior a lot, but has been paying off. Like I, I understand my combos a lot more and how to play in so many different situations. Um, the big change in my play has just been kind of attacking more that knowing that I can build up to just six rune chance pretty fast. Like I just need to get to six basically to ascendancy or then at least make it so ninth blade is then uh, only costs three, which I would really like it if that was free. That's the best play for a ninth blade. Um, but just knowing that I really don't need 17 rune chance. Like that's kind of a win more. I just need enough rune chance to make everything cheaper and then attack kind of more often, especially with Reaping Blade is something I hadn't been doing. Um, just like pitching a blue, attacking with uh, using Grasp of the Arknight to make a rune chant and then attacking with Reaping Blade with just one blue, which is something I talked about in our deck tech um, episode, but I was not putting it into practice as often as I could have. And your deck can still go big when the mm -hmm. matchup calls for it. Yeah, totally. Just... Yeah, if I was playing like something like uh, Control Ninja, where we just both are just kind of sitting around. You right. Know? Yeah. I also added in, I guess, uh, another copy of Rune Blood Barrier for the aggro ninja matchup. Yeah. Great card. Yeah, totally is. And so if you do wind up with 16 rune chance because of that, then you're just like, great, I'm going to take no damage this turn, which is awesome. Shuts down all hit effects too. It's great. Nice. Love it. Um, one thing I forgot to mention, I am trying to tech in, uh, I have a lot of issues with traps, but I have found that uh, I want to use them and I'm going to try to use them more. And I have found that some like pitfall trap pitches well for azalea and also if you're able to utilize it against uh some players like warrior or ninja is actually pretty effective um because they don't have a lot of money it's hard to like have extra money to pay for all their stuff yeah totally yeah but it's like a the defense one, reaction the one resource to not get hit is maybe like a whole dawn blade swing right right, right. yeah so that's pretty good uh yeah control ranger for another topic or another episode. Sure. We we keep teasing it. We finally made one and played with it. Uh, but we're not ready to reveal those goods yet. I, I don't think you guys are ready, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> we're going to fly into New Zealand and then New Zealand Nationals, <laughs> Battle Bros, Control, Azalea. What's up, Matt Rogers? Um, how you doing, Matt? 
Doing good? Great. Thanks for listening. Anyway, here's our main topic. So let's talk about what we think is going to happen in Monarch. So something that was in the Covenant cast, um, the interview with James White, is he talked about how the original design for Flesh and Blood was when Monarch comes out will be what they originally designed the game to be as. So with the addition of Monarch's cards, we will be at like full Flesh and Blood. Right, that's like the game fleshed out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so um, that that they've peeled it back a couple of layers, right? To go from Welcome to Wraith to Arcane Rising to Crucible. And right. Here we are. Like they created this whole monster and then they've scaled it back mm-hmm. for these releases. Um and then so I guess we're scaling up to Monarch and then after that will be add ons to the game. Right. Or f- yeah. or potentially fleshing out the the full breadth of the game for this whole next year right yeah um so because of that that got us just thinking like oh well then what does that mean what's what's going to happen like what else can be added to this game that is going to make it the original designs idea right and i'd like to know so they he said that uh the game will be fully fleshed out but they're not like dropping any giant bombs of new mechanics or you know they're not like changing that we know of that's what he claimed kind of that uh they're they're not changing the game drastically oh right what it it was something along the lines of like monarch will make you look at your collection of cards differently yeah and build your deck differently or think about building your deck but it's not you know they're not going to make it a different game or change anything crazy right so Um, what do you think those statements mean or like, where where do you think the design space could go in in uh, this next set? I I don't know. <laughs> well, then what are you doing on this podcast? <laughs> I mean, you know, I have a lot of ideas. Um, like I said about Ranger, so I feel the same way about Ranger and Wizard that they're operating with these very powerful mechanics, mm-hmm. and I don't. I think the developers would like to take it slowly in uh giving them tools to use right Right. um for different reasons their decks are different but they're just these uh very open-ended powerful things so i think that uh as both of those decks are pretty uh or you know i think ranger's great but pretty underwhelming and classic constructed just Mm -hmm. as far as the the meta goes i think that they will their tools will be expanded on Right. Yeah, well, okay, so these are all my thoughts. Here they come. All right. <laughs> okay, so I think, obviously, new equipment, right? So for most of the classes, they're missing a fifth, or sorry, a fourth piece of their, like, gear, right? So we, we have a common gear slot for all the classes. We have a majestic and a legendary. So assuming, right, then we'll just have a rare equipment piece right um so for like rune blade right they do not have uh a foot piece or leg piece right so that might be something like um if you dealt uh arcane damage this turn pay two resources 
and your attack gets go again or something as a reaction, right? right. Um, because we know from all the design spaces that uh, legs are about like movement, right? They're about giving cards go again or or something like that, right? We see that with Mage Master Boots, Snapdragon Scalers, Perch Grapplers, Perch Grapplers yeah. Breeze Rider Boots, like all of those things, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that's going to happen. Also with equipment, I think there is going to be a bump up from Iron Rot, but that isn't a Tunic or Arcanine Skullcap, like not a legendary, but maybe like another rare piece of gear or maybe majestic that's generic right so it's like you know iron rot i don't know what would be better but it could still be like an iron thing that has blade break but blocks for two maybe you know i agree i think they will flesh out the uh um the equipment to uh give you some variety and equipment combos you can pick with mm-hmm. your characters because that makes the game especially in blitz where it's much shorter but yeah. it makes the game really interesting um you know what combos or what strategy you choose with your equipment but there isn't that much room to be creative with characters right now yeah totally because i mean if you're running warrior it's just like arcanine skullcap braceforge bracers and a tunic and the um bolters right because right, i mean they all block and do something awesome yeah there's totally. no like debate yeah and you need three legendaries right and that's that's pretty tough yeah you know what i mean so like having something that's a step down from that but better than the common generics i think is a is a good place for them or if the go. ability pairs well with another piece and it's maybe worse or it doesn't block or whatever you know yeah yeah definitely um so there's that. I also think that there's going to be another resource, right? So now we have copper tokens, right? Right, And cash in. Um, and cash in hints at the fact that there's going to be silver and platinum and that those are going to be worth half as much every time, right? Yeah, it's like so, four and two and one. Yeah. Copper. Is, is like probably what the conversion yeah. is because one copper is worth four resources. A silver is probably worth two and then... Yeah. A platinum is worth one, which is pretty wild then, right? So, like, you, I, a copper token allows you to um, draw a card, but you got to pay four resources. Right. But so now, if, uh, oh, right. if yeah. they're going to make platinum tokens and you can create those somehow, your character can, then you could, like, pitch a blue, cash in, not the card, but, like, you know, pay for your platinum token to then replace the card you just pitched right right and so that's pretty crazy um to have that kind of like potential draw power right that's not like snatch or something that requires you to have hit or or something like that obviously it will have a requirement of you making a platinum token who knows maybe it'll be like you got to make six copper tokens and then that makes a silver and then three silvers make one platinum and you'll have this like whole game strategy and you're just playing as the bank of wraith or (laughs) whatever (laughs) you know but i'm just saying that uh that'll be pretty interesting if there's more currency and more classes can do something with those currencies 
right? right. That's my that's my thing. Which then also kind of like then Ark Smash becomes a much better card because all those monies are items. Definitely. You know. So if I had if I had to go take my six coppers to make my three silvers to then make my one platinum and you just arg smash it like yeah that's pretty good like you brought a platinum token to our duel you know <laughs> yeah totally this <laughs> is a rich asshole um so i think right uh arg smash is one of those cards that kind of hints at what is going to come right right and i uh i also like that card I mean, this isn't an underplayed or undervalued card by any means, but um, we were looking at it because it it destroys or manipulates your opponent's board state or cards, mm-hmm. which is like fairly rare in this game. Like, there's a there's one counter spell that costs one, right? Um, in it, but it's only for instance, right? Yeah. Um, anyway, there's there. It just seems it's few and far between that you get to like smash your opponent's items oh the guardian can break equipment uh but it's like pretty specific circumstances um they've been being i mean rightfully so pretty careful with these kinds of mechanics but i i think that that kind of card um may become slightly more prevalent and still i mean arc smash is like an expensive card Mm. to like smash one thing probably or whatever you know (laughs) like but obviously like pretty good against mechanologist builds right yeah you you get like chambers or or the plasma purifier or something like that um but even then pretty limited use um so one thing i think we'll see more of maybe not in this set but um another card uh, we were going to talk about as far as the future of the game yeah. um, is Mandible Claw, yeah. a card which I personally love at the moment. Um, because it's neither a club or hammer or sword or dagger, so it cannot be pummeled or razored. Right. right. So in that way, it's... I'm not positive about this, but it's like the fifth weapon type or whatever. Right. But it also is cannot be buffed or affected by anything yet. Yeah. So um, the fact that they introduced one, just one weapon into the game um, that is different than all the other weapons, to me, kind of hints at maybe there won't be like this huge plethora of weapons and cards that buff all of them, but it seems that they're, they will have new types and new cards that... Right. You like know, a, give me a pummel for the claws, yeah, damn it. Or like a new category, right? So right. it's like swords, daggers, hammers, and clubs. So maybe it's then claws and tridents or spears Brass or something. knuckles or, you know, yeah, whatever. Or, or some, some right. other pokey, scratchy thing. Yeah. I don't know. You know what I mean? Halberds and claws for some reason. Yeah, uh, there you, know. you go. Yeah. Pull, pull arms and claws. I don't know if those... But anyway, there there might be another dual weapon type that will then get a generic attack reaction i'm pretty into a spear as a new weapon that'd be yeah i think that's cool obviously shields right people have been thinking about shields i don't know how you would do a shield in this game could be your arm equipment or your other weapon yeah i guess like your it takes up your hand 
and your other weapon slot. Yeah, like, and then you can only use like one claw or Centauri saber or whatever and a shield. Yeah, maybe cost one to defend for one or something i don't know that sounds annoying i'm already tired of control (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) so who knows who knows with that that type of thing um but i mean they already did it right they already made a new weapon type right you know it's gonna be it's gonna be elaborated on yeah and i'm trying not to say fleshed out too many times in this (laughs) episode (laughs) i i also think like uh a class specific attack reactions right for yeah for like rune blade would be pretty crazy and maybe they won't do that because i'm pretty sure then viscerize like ability triggers on that you know i think it says in his notes like any rune blade card played after so it could be oh it's not a non-attack action it's like any yeah it's any rune blade card after a non-attack action so then a a rune blade reaction maybe just give the ranger an attack reaction. (laughs) yeah ranger could get a specific attack reaction so that's definitely um, some space for that you know which would be cool right we were like theorizing last night like maybe it like splits an arrow you know oh, yeah like, splitting arrow and you play it over the top it now it like halves your damage but it does it twice or something you it know like dodges mean? the card they blocked with or something you know I don't yeah know. yeah totally um yeah speaking of the ranger i would like to see because she because she has all these like you know, now she has traps, but they're not yeah. used so much. And she has all these very on-theme cards. Um, I would like to see her new abilities make her a little more... Defensive? Like, mobile or flexible or elusive. You know, very a la Ranger class, mm-hmm. right? Like, you just duck and weave and lay a trap and roll and fire two arrows. And, yeah. you know, which she can kind of do to some degree already. But um, just... You know, making some of these uh, arrows like Pathing Helix or the Traps or whatever just a little more viable. And some people may disagree with me and think they already are. But um, easier to load, easier to use, just come up more more often. Yeah, I mean, the best play, right, with Traps, like playing Control Ranger last night, was to take cover, Oh yeah, reload a trap, and then use the trap. Yeah, it's a dream. Right? Which is pretty sweet. That feels pretty good when you're just like, okay, now you, I'm blocking eight of your damage and uh, pay me a resource, please, to not get punched in the face. Yeah, that's the dream. Which makes you consider having yellow take covers in your deck as well if you're going very defensive. Yeah. Because of that added benefit. Um, but yeah, I agree that the ranger, right, with traps hints at a kind of more extra disruptive style right i feel like that's kind of what the ranger does is it you have all these weird hit effects yeah it's like toolbox of arrows kind of like a hawkeye situation yeah that can happen and so that the traps also hint at that they might flesh out that <laughs> uh that kind of theme within that class right you know? and my my issue with traps is not that they're under you know against some some characters they don't care about paying an extra resource to get over the hit right. effect or whatever. Yeah. But it's that you you draw a trap, you can't block with it, you hold it for that whole time, and then you you don't attack with it, right? Yeah. And then have to slot it into arsenal, which is a whole rigmarole. But then after having pulled it off, you also end your turn or you start your next turn without a card in arsenal. Yeah. Um, which that last 
price kind of uh, makes them a little too much for me. Right. Unless, unless you're playing Control Ranger, I right. guess. Right. Um, um, yeah, let's get off Ranger and Runeblade a little bit. We talk about them a lot. Let's talk about uh, maybe some other cards we think kind of hint at um, some things that we could look forward to. Like, reinforce the line. Right. Right? Is like on paper, when you look at it, you're like, oh, that's pretty good. And then you kind of think about it and you're like, oh, dang, that's not very good. But I feel like it just in my bones, right, that that is a card that is going to get really good for whatever reason, right? I'm unsure of like how you get an attack action card out there to then play that instant to make it better for defense or that sort of thing. I mean, I really like it because you can so in uh in characters like brute or ranger where you have a lot of attack cards all the time um you could play a defense reaction out of arsenal and if you're dominated you can block with one card from hand and then you can play reinforced line on that one card potentially blocking for a ton of damage right or if you don't have a card in arsenal you can still block for seven damage out of hand, which is unique, right? Yeah. Unless you pay for an unmovable, I guess. But Yeah, totally. But it still is not better than the other zero-cost defense reactions. You well, know it I comes mean? out of hand, not out of arsenal. Right. So it's more flexible. I suppose, but it's still like not that hard to just... Like, Sink Below's also have the filtering effect, and Fate for Scenes also have the opt effect totally you know, which is like also very good yeah i mean i'm not running them now so i obviously don't think they're that great yeah particularly well, because is. you can what's that warrior card route them or you can route the yeah the attack card they, back right then your reinforce the line does nothing right i guess um or judge ruling moon moonlight on discord <laughs> judge rule that please i don't think it does anything um but i just think it's very versatile uh with the dominate mechanic or yeah. will be i mean will be yeah i i i'm not sure what right i mean i wish i did have like more of a concrete design idea where that could come in but it's just interesting that they've put an instant in like that that really maybe only affects your a matchup against Guardian. Right. You know what I mean? So either they think that people are going to run more attacks in future sets, or there's going to be more like chances for that to be played onto something else, or there will be other instants that like kind of help with that um that strategy you know because it's not like it's a draft card right because it's from crucible which yeah. is a non-draftable set but if you want to figure out how to draft it listen to episode three yeah we nailed it perfectly yeah totally flawlessly flawlessly over two trials <laughs> <laughs> um um so i i mean there's also like you could just brainstorm forever about this but there's also right. the the scenario where they come out with an attack action card that's like uh you know it's like a uh like a parrying shield or something right. so it has some special cool ability when you defend with it solo 
mm. on its own. Yeah. And then, or you could attack with it. So then you get this bonus for defending with it by itself, but then you can play a reinforced line on it to buff it. Right. Okay. You know? Yeah. Nice. Great job. Thanks. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So. I mean, that, you know, that's just made it, but it's like they could really go anywhere with the, you know, defending with an attack action card is a pretty broad category. Right. Yeah, totally. It definitely is. Um, another one of these cards on our list uh, that we think is maybe hinting at potential more game design places is a uh, back alley break line. So obviously right away that's like, oh, I could put that in my uh, boosting mechanologist deck, but I don't, I'm not sure if it's really better than any of the mechanologist cards. I guess it ups your number of uh, five attack cards that are already in that deck. Yeah, it seems pretty good because you can... So the way this card works is if you can boost it and it would still give you go again. Yeah, how about you read the read that card so the people at home know what we're talking about. Okay, red back alley break line. Costs one, attacks for five. And it reads, if an activated ability or action card effect puts back alley break line face up into a zone from your deck, gain one action point, right? So any zone face up. And the way Mechanologist works is if they play a card that says boost on it, you can banish the top card of your deck. And if it's a Mechanologist card, that card you had played gains go again. So if you boosted a back alley break line, your card would not gain go again, but you would gain an action point from back alley break line. Right. And so it's like not as well played right because it's not technically a boost so there are a lot of mechanologist cards that reference how many times you've boosted right right and i could be wrong on this but that's like a failed boost but you have a action point i don't think you get the boost yeah so it doesn't Um, it wouldn't count towards things that count the number of times you've boosted right but so having this one cost five attack in your deck would have to be valuable enough Right. You know, to outweigh that. But the fact that it counts for boosting, kind of, is also pretty good. Yeah. So either it's just a draft card, right, that's going to come up in draft more often. So you can still, like, boost mechanologist strats. Or there are going to be more abilities or cards or things that allow you to put cards from one place, from one zone into another face up. Right. Which is what I think. Because yeah. I think this card's so cool because it's such an open ended ability that is unrealized at the moment. Yeah. Right. A couple other ways this can work is Azalea can use her ability to flip it face up and it's a one attack for five right. that gains go again because it's out of arsenal. Also Beast Within mm-hmm. uh, in Brute, if you played Beast Within and happen to be banishing cards and pass back alley break line you would gain an extra action point right. for free. Yeah, um, The odds of that happening are pretty low, and I don't think these are the uses for this card. <laughs> right. Unless you're like so opt-heavy Azalea that you're liable to do that, not draw it. Right. I mean, in of itself, a one for five is like not that bad, but... Yeah, it's online with everything not else. Not that like, great. You know, Flock is one for five. Right. Um in every in a few other cards but this is such an open-ended card any zone face up right is just like yeah it's definitely some space that they could design within 
to then kind of give that card more play stuff, you know. But you can see how maybe it, the design space ends right there, and it's just for draft, right, in all of those decks. But Beast Within, right, is a Crucible card. Right. Right? So that still wouldn't come up in your in your Brute Draft, especially because it's an Arcane Rising. I don't so think it's, it's like I don't think it's a draft card because it's such a complex ability that yeah. doesn't really hit yeah. ever. I think draft cards are more for fun or they're more functional in draft right. and this is a, the furthest from functional. Yeah. I think but, I I feel like that also kind of segues into what unifying decree does for warrior. So it's a two cost attack reaction that gives your target weapon plus three and then it's reprise effect is if they've defended with a card from hand you get to look at the top card of your deck and if it's a reaction you can then play it that chain link right so pretty underwhelming especially when you look at the other two cost attack reactions like route is much much better for two of course it's a red but it's like a thing it's a much easier card to pull off Right? You have to construct your whole deck in a certain way for just three copies of Unifying Decree to like work. Yeah, and to hit maybe one out of three times, so most of the time you're not yeah. having it hit. Totally. So if there's more cards that potentially for Warrior opt or get rid of cards off the top or look at card or something like that, right? Like if cards are going from your deck to different zones or, or that sort of thing, then maybe Unifying Decree like gets much better. You know, or that there are more, I guess, the other spaces that there are more free attack reactions because then that's the only way. Because now you only have like uh, Iron Song response, which you can only play if they've defended with a card from hand. But you only have three reds, which would be the maximum value off of Unifying Decree, right? That's like, that's the god turn. Yeah. You like, bam, hit him with Unifying Decree, and then you're like, oh, sweet, red Iron Song response, boom three more out of nowhere that you couldn't have calculated for you know but that's such low odds yeah we all know in this game nobody's living the dream <laughs> yeah totally Everybody's, you're just down in the dirt fighting it out yeah small <laughs> calculated exchanges <laughs> that are somehow really exciting um okay let's see what else do we got on this list that we haven't talked about um we do we did asterix uh sun kiss moon wish you want to talk about that um yeah so i think these this combo because it's so cool has been debated over before totally i think it Um, also segues us into unplayed cards yeah um so so all you need you want me to read them yeah read all right For, for, for the folks at home right so red moon wish cost two attacks for five you may put a card from your hand on top of your deck rather than playing Moonwish's resource cost. Which is pretty cool. If it hits, search your deck for a card named Sunkiss. Reveal it, put it in your hand, then shuffle your deck. And then Sunkiss is a free action that reads Gain 3 Life, the red. Mm-hmm. Gain 3 Life. If you have played a card named Moonwish this turn... Draw a card and Sunkiss gains go again. Right, so there's uh, the difficulty here lies in that Moonwish does not have go again, or you need another action point or go again 
right. to play Moonwish. And and the obvious strat for that is for Wizard, right? Is that you get to put the card you would like to use Kano's ability on on the top of your deck. Right. And you put perhaps, you know, the red Sun Kisses to put into your hand to pay for it. Well, yeah, but Sun Kiss would then make you draw that card again unless you intervene in the middle you and don't Kano need, it. You wouldn't play Sun Kiss at that point. You would just use it to pitch to Kano that card. Gotcha. Right. right. So it's like um, an attacking, attacking cast. And then the difficulty with that is that uh, Moonwish is a generic attack or a generic action attack, right. which you don't want to see on the top of your deck with Kano. Right. Um, but yeah, that is one way of using it. Um, it just seems so good to play an attack for five if it hits, which, as you mentioned earlier, is a pummel target. Yeah, totally. You could pummel um, Moonwish, which is pretty crazy. If it hits, you, you've attacked for five, gain three life, Maybe well, kinda. For... You still have to have a go again on your moon wish. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying if you pull it off. Oh, if we're living the dream. It yeah. swings for five. Yeah. Then you gain three life, and this is all for free. Yeah. Because to pay for moon wish, you put a card on top, sun kiss drew it back, yeah. and then you still have an action point having a great turn, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, These cards also block for two, which is underwhelming. But um, there's just so many ways to, between like, uh, quicken tokens that proc off a of moon wish that would give it go again from coax or flock of the feather walkers to uh, rolling scab skin leathers to get an action point to time snap potions mm-hmm. and whatever we may see in the future it just feels like this very cool interaction that nobody's really effectively winning with mm-hmm. um, could get legs yeah uh, definitely I mean obviously like I think this is why uh, Arcane Rising is so cool in limited form is because of like all these really fun cards that have all these really fun interactions. Oh, totally. It's like the weird release. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) totally. But um, I agree that if there's like more cards that unlock this combo, this little two card combo, it's like could be really uh, potent. You know, it could be like the, uh, you know, the scar for a scars of other decks. You know totally. what I mean? Like that's in that's in so many decks. Or the, you know, maybe I mean, not Enlightened Strikes. You rattle bones a Moonwish after your. No, because it has to be uh, a Rune Blade. Ugh. All right, never mind. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just also feel like this interaction is like kind of indicative of ways the game could evolve in the future yeah this type of instant proccing off of each other card fetching but kind of difficult combo based yeah stuff maybe at instant speed or you you know having like uh i i do like it that it's a two card combo but requires other cards actually when you think about it right i think that's really um i'll lead the charge helps this but yeah yeah totally yeah, so maybe it's not that hard to pull off, but requires a lot of cards to make it happen. Yeah. So potentially with like cards that are going to utilize back alley break line more or something like that, then all of these things become more um, prevalent in that sort of thing. 
Um, okay, I think that's about, that looks like all of the asterisks on the list here uh, for cards we think you should be thinking about that would happen, be more played in the future. Where, I don't know. There's like right. some sort of catchy line that I need to have figured out by the hour mark in this podcast, but have not. That's so. secret hint cards. <laughs> oh, there it is. Come back to me later. Boom. And now you're back as an equal in this podcast. So let's let's talk about um, cards we think are not played as much and that could be maybe played more, right? So um, full disclosure, we were talking with our battle bro, Troy, and he was... Um, kind of going back and forth about the semantics of a card that's underplayed, meaning that the card has a real potential in use, but just isn't played compared to cards that suck. And because of that are not played. Right. Right. So to clarify these cards, we believe these cards have interesting potential, right? Not that we believe each of these cards is overpowered and nobody noticed or, yeah, right. You know, like, like idiots. <laughs> yeah, totally. Definitely not that. But cards we think are interesting and that maybe you could play, but also maybe that will be uh, more played later down the line. Who knows? Also, again, I need a better catchier tagline there. I'm floundering on. Actually, I'm not known for my catchy taglines. I came up with Waffle Attack Podcast as my goof. Well, we're going to have a brand new name for the next one, so (laughs) we'll be fine. Perfect. Okay. So uh, I'll just start because it's the way of the list here. Sure. Um, So we have Warrior on top. So Twinning Blade is my pick for Warrior. Um, I think that card is definitely underplayed and very powerful. well, or not, I guess not very powerful. I think it's a really good card. It's free, it's a yellow, it pitches, it blocks for three. Um, it's an attack reaction, and it reads you may attack additional time with your weapon. So if you have given your weapon, let's say Dawnblade, go again with something like a Spoils of War, um, and your opponent is like, okay. I don't want you to attack a second time and maybe blocks for with three cards out of their hand for nine to try to like make it so you can't go over the top and they overcommit, then you can just like bam, twinning blade and you can still attack again. Right, the sidestep maneuver. Yeah, exactly. So then you could then you can dawn blade and hopefully use your attack reactions um to then get that get some damage through there. Or if you live the dream you could attack three times with Dawnblade, right? Yeah. You could, you could uh, hit and run, and then Twinning Blade that, and then hit and run again, and attack reaction it over the top so it hits, and then now you can attack a third time. And definitely get a counter. And then definitely get a counter. Yeah, and I will say, so Twinning Blade, I think is like a really cool creation they made, mm-hmm. and it's, it's. it's like so many cards it's so good and kind of it just the amount of finesse it requires to pull off is tough like a lot of times when you see Mm it it's hard to play but it's just so good in that sweet spot yeah definitely and because it's free 
and it's still a yellow and it defends for three it's a really good f- card to be flexible yeah. right like if you can pull it off you can pull it off i mean you're not going to be twinning blading three times in a game anyway right you know so so that's my pick um let's talk about i guess we already kind of talked about the brute cards um we had arg smash and claws on there um as cards that are underplayed slash right indicative um i would say the um so this is a work in progress but um i went from the claw being i thought it was too expensive and too hard to pull off to now i believe the claws are superior to the club and excellent um so quite a number of people are playing the claws you know yeah not that it's underplayed maybe but it's they're they're tough to crack and then they're quite powerful yeah um, you did have one ranger card though that we haven't talked about. Um, Poison the tips, Boom. which is a card we both love, actually. Yeah, totally. Um, re- it's free. Uh, it's a yellow blocks for two until the end of turn. Arrows you control gain. If this hits a hero, they discard a card. Mm-hmm. Reload. Go again. Yep. Uh, sounds really excellent. Like on paper, I have just found. Because it blocks for two and because it doesn't buff anything, the amount of times you draw it and are unable to play at least two arrows buffed with it in a turn is just so low. But it's, re- it's it's really good in the like a reapplying pressure, right? Like with a endless arrow, you know, like now your four attack arrow or like a paving helix or something like that right now has like a hit effect that your opponent kind of wants to block right you know so i i think it is good as like a go wide or for those types of arrows yeah just i would argue so if you're putting it on like a you know a red in the ledger or remorseless you're already threatening a hit effect so i would argue like a red take aim to buff it for three more is better yeah, to, um, to dominate it. This because, is all up yeah. for debate, but yeah. it's just like... Uh, I, I've just found the amount of times, at least in my style of Ranger, you draw poison the tips, it is uh, less good than other cards could be. So, but it is, it's such a powerful ability that uh, I believe in the future it will be one of the best Ranger cards in existence. <laughs> you heard it here first the attack action waffle podcast. i mean totally that's an incredible effect you know yeah totally. giving any arrow i mean you can shoot three or four arrows in a turn in theory right and if they all have that effect it's nuts yeah very upsetting um so my next pick for rune blade is blood spill invocation so it's a one cost action slash aura um defends for two uh, the red one says if an attack action card you played hits, create three rune chants. And then it stays out there, but you destroy it if you take any damage. Right? So uh, the reason it's not played is because you can't guarantee you're not going to take any damage. Right? But it could be part of like a gigantic combo where you like have 20 rune chance with a rune blood barrier you're going to take zero damage and then you like buff your ascendancy and it makes five rune chance plus three more you know or something like that yeah. you know is what it could be a part of um 
but it also kind of works in like a go wide strategy, right? So it, it adds an extra hit effect to um, you have three rune chance up and then you have rune flash, which is then free attacks for four. The red one does and gets has go again. So that doesn't have an, a hit effect, but now you kind of have to want to block it because I might, I have go again and I'm going to make three rune chance that I'm going to then literally attack you with. Right. Right. So, and then even if you block rune flant flash that, uh, then the hit effect just goes to the next, goes weapon. to the next one. Right. right? Yeah. Not weapon, but or, attack. Yeah. Yeah. So then I would have to have another attack. Um, yeah, I really like that card. Not that I have any idea how to pull it off successfully, <laughs> but I think it's a very cool. And you can stack them too, right? You could have played two of them in a turn and then attack. So um, that's kind of exciting. But the fact that it blocks for two and has like a pretty strict condition uh, is kind of tough. Um I mean, but it does turn on Nebula Blade, like with a blue, you can play that for your next turn and then attack with Nebula Blade for four. For two cards with four big hit effect. Well, Bloodspill Invocation still doesn't work on oh, Nebula right, Blade. Oh, right, right. Yeah, Never it mind. would be super broken if it did. Um, so I think that card could see more play. I think it, it could happen. Uh, the unfortunate part is now we have Meruvian Skies, which is basically the same thing, but free. And gives attacks go again. So it's like maybe more valuable. Um, but that being said, we get some more cards. I think that would be really cool. Like if uh, the Ark Knight gets more of these like kind of invocations. Like more auras that are kind of just out there threatening things. Um, or just manipulating your next attack or third attack or yeah. next turn. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, because they're, that's kind of how you have to play Rune Blade already, is you have to think about this turn and next turn. How many right. Rune Chance am I going to make at the end of this turn? What does that do for my next turn? So, um, so yeah, that's my pick for Rune Blade. And that's one of those cards that you and I both value greatly, these cards that uh, benefit your board state in the future, mm-hmm. right? Like... Obviously not in every situation, but these cards, like, uh, they don't seem that good at face value, but then once you, like, really get into the mechanics of the game, um, so, like, Enchanting Melody, Runeblood Barrier, Rune Chance, Energy Potion, um, all of these cards that, you know, you can block well and then just invest in a big turn for the future, which again, it depends on your character you're playing, right. but uh, yeah, that's another one of those cards just that that does that. Not a lot of cards, you know, invest. Right. Yeah, like carry resources or abilities from turn to turn. Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about the classes we have less experience with, and we we talked with our other battle bros about what their thoughts were were going to be about. Um, underutilized strategies or cards or that sort of thing so so we have guardian so our battle bro troy um he plays guardian and if you don't know what we're talking about our battle bros in this situation um just check out our earlier episodes we just have like a little four player group that we always play together and like have little tournaments and that sort of thing so or there you go i explained it for you um so he talked about 
how the sledge of Anvilheim in a cheaper, more red build is like underutilized in Guardian and could actually be pretty good. Right, and we talked about this when we were, sp- or not exclusively, but spoiling Crucible of War cards, how Sledge of Anvilheim was so... I mean, it's a it's a six attack weapon always that costs four. Right. Right. So in theory, right, if you pitch two blues, you always have two resources to do whatever you can imagine with and swing for six. Yeah. Without using a card. Yeah. Which just to me at face value seems incredibly good if you can figure out a consistent way to exploit that. Right. Like it's pretty easy to pummel it now. Right. Right. Because you have the resources for it. Um, or even like, right, like a, a kind of go wider strategy, right? Those two resources um, could be for a card that has go again or just one cost card that has go again or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you could play a, a scar uh, and two life for a life and yeah. then swing with a six attack weapon. Yeah, or totally. Crazy. Yeah, exactly. Life for a life into the Anvilheim, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, you could also like, flock the couple of turns like the turn before which creates a quicken token that allows your next attack to go again yeah and then just like whack-a-mole double sledgehammer swings right because the sledge does not have the once per turn uh action effect yeah that is that's great it just says action for resources attack right which is maybe the only weapon that does that i think so yeah (laughs) So there's Pretty like bananas. Yeah. And that might even like be where Guardian might go in the future, right? Is like attack reactions that give it go again or just easier ways to have an extra action point and like get a little degenerate with the hammer. Right. Maybe you're less armored, yeah. but just a hammer swinging. You're like a macho. Thor. Yeah. Yeah. Just throwing your hammer around, hitting everybody. Yeah, if you can afford it, you can just swing it infinitely. Yeah. And this this gets a little tough because the, the hammer costs four, right? So in all of these scenarios, you want to pitch two blues and have maybe two reds to accompany it, which uh, not all hands work out that way every yeah. time. So I mean, with time snap potion, right, you can have... Um, you can swing with pitch your two blues, swing with the hammer, um, and then you have an extra action point, which you could follow up with like a two cost attack, right? Which there's like a, a oh, plethora yeah. of those. Then another six with like a hit effect or something. Yeah, like, like a that. command and conquer or like yeah. you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like how do you how do you feel now, buddy? Yeah. yeah. So um, that's what we kind of came up with Guardian. Which I love. I love that. Oh, totally. Especially because Guardian, a lot of characters have maybe two and a half, maybe five, whatever you want to argue, ways that you can kind of play them. And Guardian seems maybe the most limited in their flexibility, right? Like nobody's playing aggro Guardian. Right. Or he can kind of flex mid-range, but you know. Or like just not playing away from like a bajillion blues. Yeah. Right. Of like a really blue heavy deck, so um, you could have a cheaper cost curve, but uh, just make it all about hammer time, potentially, which is pretty crazy. 
Um, so let's talk about Mechanologist. Um, so this also comes from our uh, battle bro, Troy. Um, he talked about how like just the kind of boost strategy, like boosting your brains out and then using the rifle is like underutilized, you know? Like you could just do a bunch of boosts and then follow up with like a rifle attack, which has less value, right, than on paper than putting out your induction chambers and like swinging with the pistol back and forth for a million times. Right, but I do think that the rifle is a good addition to mech to change the way people play yeah with the mech yeah which may not be like realized or adopted until the you know more the new set comes out or whatever but right and uh so um barrel shot let's see i i'm gonna have to pull it up so you so everybody at home knows what i'm talking about um so you just have to fill some time here isaac and uh while i click around and look for it so maybe talk about is this going to happen a lot should we talk about a generic card in between uh no i'm almost there okay you could just talk about uh, boom okay okay plasma barrel shot reads once per turn action remove a steam counter attack um and then so its attack is x where x is equal to one plus the number of times you have boosted this combat chain and then it also has an action for two resources. If there are no steam counters on plasma barrel shot, put a steam counter on it. Go again. So, right, if you boosted three times and had a counter on plasma barrel, you would then attack for four. Right? right. If you boosted five times and had a counter on plasma barrel, you would then attack for six right at the end. Which is pretty nuts. I mean, Troy's current aggro mech deck uh, uses doesn't use this weapon. Yeah. But it's just like in... Th- theory if you could do all this like go super wide boosting and then end with a five attack instead of two twos or whatever yeah that you know might get a little bit more damage through he was also saying that maybe the mech is going to like get more draw power to be able to like continue this like boost into rifle chain which seems maybe like too good right yeah, like, doesn't the mechanologist have, like, enough cards and resources <laughs> yeah, and items? Totally. And... <laughs> because then, like, with, um, oh, crap, what's the card that gets you extra action points every time you boost? If you kept drawing cards, it could be nearly infinite yeah. action points and resources. And, and the developers are pretty good about not making broken combos. Yeah, totally. Um, but those are two strategies, right? Using the rifle and boosting that are underutilized and could potentially have like um something good happening with them um all right what do we got next let's see oh i did have plasma barrel shot pulled up Jeez. oh panicked panicked <laughs> live because this podcast is live um maximum velocity is potentially a card that doesn't see a lot of play so it costs two it's a red it blocks for three and it says play maximum velocity only if you have boosted three or more times this turn. It attacks for ten. Ten, you said. <laughs> yeah, I said ten. <laughs> <laughs> so this pummel target also <laughs> cost two. This <laughs> <laughs> So this to me is like a card. So going against my advice of you only arsenal 
uh, very easy to play cards. This card seems to me like you draw it and arsenal it, and then in the next turn or two, you boost three times. Just based on watching Troy, because he boosts constantly, yeah. it seems like this card would come online pretty soon. It's hard because the amount of resources you would need right, right for the whole turn. Which so, also is manufacturing yeah, constantly. You, you could do it, but yeah, a way harder card to pull off, and that's maybe why it's not played as much. But is if you could play it more often be sick yeah i mean but it's maybe a a live in the dream style card also a red card what does it block for three oh nice yeah oh that's great (laughs) i guess doesn't pitch for much doesn't pitch for much um another mechanologist card that really isn't being played is perhaps um absorption dome so it's a yellow that costs zero it's a mechanologist item so it doesn't even block which is pretty nuts but it reads, Absorption Dome enters the arena with steam counters on it, equal to the number of times you have boosted this turn. If you would be dealt damage, remove that many steam counters from Absorption Dome instead. Then prevent damage equal to the number of steam counters removed this way. When it has no steam counters on it, destroy it. You catch all that? I did. Okay. Um, yeah, they're very wordy. Yeah, totally. All these mech cards. This is tiny text. But, th- I mean, this is like another uh, uh, enchanting melody with kind of a different yeah, um, different take on it. What do you think about this card? Um, I mean, it obviously works really well with a heavy boost style deck, right? So Mechanologist doesn't have any actual, like defense reactions like other classes do or anything like that and potentially has a lot of items in hand sometimes so this kind of helps out with that i'll bet being an item yeah well so maybe this is a good card to arsenal right because then the next turn that you boost a bunch you play this card out yeah totally it just probably i guess it it feels weird right to boost a whole bunch and then end your whole boost chain with an absorption dome right right but not like a high octane or a rifle barrel shot or something like that you know right but if you're only swinging with one pistol shot or something then it's like yeah why not put absorption dome on there um i i just like this card because it's another one of those few cards that uh increases your board state or invests in future turns so then next turn you're playing with like a four or five card hand and you know three or four defense on deck already yeah which maybe sets up a big play yeah definitely um yeah these magnologist cards are pretty crazy and weird um in like in a totally different um line of play than what we see competitively overseas you know oh totally potentially who knows maybe in america if we could like play a bunch of games boost mechanologist would be running rampant all over our faces you know or maybe rune blade would who knows um well hopefully we get to find out sooner than later yeah hopefully so the next card we have is conviction amplifier now i think this card is really interesting it's a zero cost item so it doesn't defend and it's red so has a pretty low pitch value it says convention 
convection amplifier enters the arena with two steam counters on it. When it has no steam counters on it, destroy it. But it has this instant ability. Remove a steam counter. The next attack action you play this turn gains dominate and go again. So it, it, it's kind of nice, potentially, right? You could hit it with pour the mold. So then it has three steam counters, which is pretty rad. And you can uh, bla hit it with hit pedal to the metal with dominate, which also gives, if it hits, the next mechanologist card you play, dominate. Right. Right. I think this card's pretty good. Uh, just because it's... You know, when the mechan when the mechanologist is going really wide or playing like a three, a three, and then they hit you with a five dominate hit effect or, you know, whatever, and then continue on, um, it really disrupts your kind of autopilot blocking. Um, also, I mean, this card's free, correct? Yeah, it costs zero. Yeah. So, um... I don't know. I mean, a lot of the, the mech cards only attack for three, right? No, but, a lot of them attack for five and stuff. Or four, I guess, huh? Yeah, like yeah. Uh, zero to 60. Yeah, that's true. For four. I don't know. It's interesting, right? You could think of combos with this card uh, for sure. The The most interesting part is that it's the next attack action. So it doesn't have to be a mechanologist card. Oh, but you don't get to choose. Yeah, if, well, it's an instant. So, gotcha. Right. So that's pretty cool. I don't know. Get back to us. I don't know. I just think splicing. It's like uh, what's that ninja card with dominate? Right. Splicing. Open uh, the center. Yeah. Splicing dominate into these wide combos. Uh, feels pretty bad for the player defending. Yeah. Yeah. It totally does. Because you're like, oh crap. <laughs> yeah. Damage. Damage is getting through. Um, okay, so uh, the mad scientist Mitch you know, is our other battle bro, and um, he gave us no tips, classic Mitch style. So we had to come up with uh, some stuff on our own. So we have um, for Ninja here, blitter, sorry, Bittering Thorns. It's a yellow, costs one, ninja attack action. Attacks for three, defends for two. If Bittering Thorns hits your next attack, this turn gains plus one. Go again. Do you want to start? Do you want me to? I'm looking right at you. And the um, audience can hear <laughs> that I'm looking at you. Um, I So I understand that this card costs one. So in terms of the ninja cost curve is expensive. But I like this card because it forces a block. Right? Like if you... If you don't block it, you take damage. It's a tick for mask, you know, it, and then it gives the next card you play plus one. Yeah. Right. And then if uh, you do block it, I've, I feel like that feels good for the ninja because they fished a card out of your hand and then they can keep going and maybe pull off the real combo they wanted. Like yeah. putting in this, this essential block early I think feels good because then they you have less cards to block their true combo with down the line. And this card always has go again, so there's no there's no shutting down the ninja turn with it. Right. And I'm pretty sure we got this card out of uh Crucible. 
I'm pretty sure. It is in the Ira starter, but I'm pretty sure it comes out of Crucible. I think I saw it in Crucible as well, but yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure. We're actually, we have a podcast about this game, Flesh and Blood, <laughs> and so we're experts, so we definitely know. I just got yeah. worried. Stop saying you're not sure. Just say, just say it. You're whatever. right. Yeah, that's what I tell you all the time. Um, let's see. What's the other ninja card we have here? Um, I think it's Flying Kick. It is Flying Kick. Let's just pull that one up here on the old uh, machine. So this comes in two colors, a red and a yellow, but we'll talk about the red one. So red Flying Kick costs two. Defense for three, attacks for five. If flying kick is played as chain link three or higher, it gains plus two. Yeah, I mean, there may be a reason these cards are less played because they're, I mean, this is very expensive for ninja. But another block for three, like I'm of the opinion that the ninja block for three cards are really good. Um, maybe because that's more my speed of play is sometimes you need to block. Right. Um, and that this card just uh, tags on the end of any combo, right? Well, Even Kadachis or whatever. Yeah. And it swings for seven, which is an annoying number to block, and therefore helps the mask trigger. Yeah. And, I mean, and it, the only, its only problem is, is that it plays then into... Um, you got you to pitch for Kadachi, Kadachi. Right. Right. And one blue doesn't get you to flying kick, so totally. you kind of have you have to pitch two cards to be able to pull off flying kick at some point. Yeah, you know what I mean for its maximum value. Definitely, but maybe two cards pitched puts you four wide with this as a seven attack in there. Yeah, um, at the end or something. Yeah, yeah, like head jab or one of the free cost go agains right you know that you're like worried that you're gonna get to katsu and then flying kick yeah you know so those are our those are our picks for ninja um it's gonna get weird here with wizard oh perfect this is my favorite <laughs> yeah totally uh so i just have to pull those up really quick um and then we can talk about those Okay, here I go. I got them. So we're going to talk about the wizard cards right now. Um, the first one we got up is Absorb in Aether. Cost one. It's a red defense reaction or a yellow or a blue. So the red defense for four. And it says the next card you play this turn with an effect that deals arcane damage instead deals that much damage plus two. So it's a defense reaction, and then you just like blast them on their uh, turn for plus two. Dumbosh. Right, and uh, Mitch is pretty frustrated with this card because it costs one. So to play it and Kano's ability costs you four. Yeah. Um, but maybe for two blues, you can pay for it, Kano's ability, and then the card that pops up. Um, I just really maybe it's not online yet maybe it'll take uh more cards in the future but i really like this card because it it just sets up such a good damage trade for wizard right like it, which especially in standard or classic constructed right. um they're gonna need a lot of mm -hmm. so with this card you could potentially block say seven in a turn and deal nine or something you know some scenario like that right 
Is there anything you want to... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, totally. This is, I mean, maybe the more classic constructed decks are running it and that sort of thing. Um, It does seem that it hurts your, like, Kano ability, like, if that's on top, right? Then you kind of, like... it doesn't help you win the game. Yeah, like you I better suppose. be able to play it and then Kano again or something, you know? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Or like get rid of it off the top or something. So um, I think that's it's limited. The reason why it's kind of limited or whatever. But I still think it's cool. And a certain play style could play that way, right? Right. And I mean, the blue one, you're blocking to dealing to in theory for one which is maybe not worth it i just think that this is maybe a uh, piece of the puzzle in the future because of its i mean it net for one it you know does yeah. like six yeah six total damage swing right yeah totally so yeah that is a good way to look at it um the other wizard card we have is aether conduit so it's the new wizard staff from Crucible, uh, it says once per turn action, pay two, deal two arcane damage to target hero. And so, what we were just kind of thinking about this is that although the staff does buff stuff, um, that is important to kind of Kano's ability for like lesson and lava to go be able to go get a certain card or, and that sort of thing. Um, this is kind of just like a nice little tempo hit, I think. You know, there's like pay two to deal two is pretty standard for arcane damage basically um or just for two damage in general i guess like that um so it could be not like you know you block their turn you're left with one card um and just like kind of deal two damage you know what i mean yeah and then they have to pitch to block that too right yeah so neither of you have used a card in this exchange But then at the end of your turn, you draw back up. And on their turn, they're left with only three cards to swing at you and defend with if you're attacking them on their turn. Which I kind of like that setup, right? Like that particular... And then if you... I don't know how long you can keep that up or how you know easy that is to pull off, but sometimes the wizard decides that they can't pull it off, so they just block. So then, yeah, you save one card. Yeah, just do a little two damage. You know, it also could be like in the future, too, we might see cards that are like... So I think Rattlebones, right? If you've dealt arcane damage, then it has a different effect. You can play it at instant speed. Same thing might happen um for wizard with aether conduit that then there might be a wizard card that if you've dealt damage arcane damage like on your turn you can play this card right i think it would have to be limited in that way because then if it's like if you dealt damage and it had arcane damage and you had two it was too powerful of an effect then it might get a little degenerate right i like that uh idea because then you're swinging with a threat right? right like then they're like uh, well, I really like my hand, but are they gonna combo I'm me gonna right put now? Put their card online. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. um, totally. So there's that one, and then we have a third one here is Aetherize. Um, so it's a blue, costs one. It's a wizard instant, 
and this is the only keyword we have or this is the only card with this particular keyword negate target instant card with one with cost one or less in parentheses the card does not resolve put it into its owner's graveyard so this is an obvious you know Irina's prayer or even feign death or even a sigil counter yeah totally i think um, there's plenty of cards that that works against but is also pretty um limited in perhaps its uses based on the meta right totally but, but it introduces this whole new card type which i'm like not really a fan of counter spells right but if it's if just in wizard away, yeah, yeah i just don't want them to run away with counter spells and stuff but i think that it's very cool that they've uh, introduced this this negate at instant speed yeah and if if we're talking about to to our earlier point about how reinforce the line might become a thing then aetherize works on reinforce the line but if you're blocking physical damage. right exactly yeah, yeah 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 totally so that doesn't work at all works against talishar wielding wizards <laughs> that was a mouthful <laughs> but um uh, seriously though i think that uh, i don't know if they want to keep the wizard pure but i think some sort of wizard with a sword yeah that would could be, be cool. a fun maybe fun if build. we get a blitz wizard it'd be like a you mean the wizard oh like a blitz character yeah yeah, okay. yeah. you're right the wizard also could be a blitz wizard but it but we could have a separate wizard character like right. Pano, Kano's <laughs> little brother. Bringer of pain. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Has a sword and also shoots you with fire. <laughs> you heard it here first, Pano. Troubled little brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. That's so funny. <laughs> oh, maybe I'm going to write like fan fiction about Pano. <laughs> I hope we get royalties for all these yeah, to gems. Start a separate podcast spinoff series with its own card game with Pano. No, just we'll be we'll like write and then voice act our Pano's Pano's adventures. adventures. Yeah, <laughs> nice new project. New project. Look out! It's Woo! coming. It's coming. All right. So those are all the class cards we have kind of looked at and thought that uh, those could see more play or will see more play and that sort of thing. There's also uh, a grip of generics here that we have that we think are interesting. Again, need a pithy title to whatever the hell we're talking about this whole podcast. Also, thank you for listening this long. I know it gets... No, not you, Isaac. Isaac gave me eyes like, oh, you're thanking me for oh, You're what? welcome. Yeah. <laughs> No problem, though, really. Yeah. No, you, the listener. <laughs> we appreciate you. So we're going to talk about some generics here. So the first one on the list is Barraging Baronhide. Uh, the red costs three, pitches for one, attacks for seven, defends for two. If Barraging Baronhide is defended by less than two non-equipment cards, it gains plus one. What are your thoughts on that card? I mean, it's great, right? Like, forces... I don't know. Is it? Well, it forces blocks. Or does seven or eight damage, you know? Yeah, it's, it's like a really good card. Um, yeah, blocks like, for two, as do all or most generics, which really hurts you. Yeah. Um, but I got to tell you, some of these generics, like, 
you know, when we're playing and we're both kind of in a tight spot and you have two cards in hand and then you just like pay for a drone and swing it at me, I'm like, ugh, <laughs> you yeah. only had two cards and swinging for six. I wanted some momentum here, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, I think the red is the most notable because even with a two card block, right? Assuming it's not a defense reaction, you still hit them for one, right? Mm-hmm. And even if they like their hand so much, they're like, "Well, I'll uh, I'll defend for one." You're uh, still going to do five, which right. is pretty good. Um, I mean, obviously, right? Like, it looks like it could be in the brute deck. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I do like the art, like, and the theme of unleashing this barraging Bronhide <laughs> at your opponent. You know? It's, yeah, totally. He's doing damage. Stabby, go get them, right? I don't know what this animal's name is. Molly. Oh, yeah, there yeah. you go. Oh, yeah. M-A. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> nice. Uh, horns and sharp teeth. Um, but, yeah, I think it could be utilized maybe in, uh, you know, more decks. You know, it's a one one card, pays for it. It has no extra cost. It just has an added benefit, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's just like pretty decent value three for seven or eight but it's still one card for seven or eight um it's pretty good yeah especially if you only have two cards in hand yeah and it's one of those cards that kind of forces your a one card that forces your opponent with maybe two cards which is kind of more efficient right if you're playing the long haul you know then Mm -hmm. that's a good trade uh, my next card I have, or we could go to one of your cards. Let's no, go to one this cards. is in the same vein. Let's let's do that oh, okay. next one. Nice. Uh, so we have Wounded Bull, which I believe has been on one of our signature segments, Pick, Pass, Prey. Right. Uh, so it's a attack action. It's red, costs three, and also has a yellow and a blue. But it costs three, defense for two, attacks for seven. When you play Wounded Bull, if you have less life than your opponent, it gains plus one. So now it's another three cost that potentially hits for eight. What do you think about that? Um, pretty similar card. I uh, I like barraging. I think better because it forces your opponent to make a decision, and any decision they make is gonna like feel kind of bad, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um. Yeah, like, however, take three. Oh, I guess I'm going to take four. Yeah, let me do some math and decision making, and then uh, it's like some damage, no matter, you know. Yeah. Um, That said, when, you know, Wounded Bull is just like online for eight, you know, half the time or whatever. So that's like. Yeah, I, you know, where I think it just a potential zone we can go with this. Well, I have two things here. First, it has some of the best flavor text in the game, I think. Oh, let's read it for the listeners. In the savage lands, humans, like animals, are more dangerous when they bleed. <laughs> Which, I don't know if I really agree with that, but <laughs> uh, maybe, yeah, in the savage lands, for sure. Oh, yeah. But pretty good, evocative, atmospheric. So, my point is, is that if K.O. becomes an adult one day, then Wounded Bull is just, like, out of the gates here. You know, it's like hitting for eight and it's a nice round number. So if you don't hit with the KO dice, it still is a four. You know what I mean? 
No, I think KO's base damage, so it's a three, and then we get plus one. I guess oh, so it would be so a four. Still a four. Yeah. Yeah. Good correction, brute player. But so that's where it could be played. It also is just kind of like it's pretty good, I think. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I guess I mean if you're playing some sort of control or mid range and you can swing for eight with two cards, you know, that's Yeah. Totally. All right. Big pile of damage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty good. The red one especially. Um Okay, let's let's uh, bounce back over to you. Um, for what you got going on. All right. The first card I'd like to highlight is a cadaverous contraband, which is a card I love and have yet to successfully utilize, but it's just, uh, the red one, uh, costs two and attacks for six. If it hits, you may put a non attack action card from your graveyard on top of your deck. Right, which is just another one of these very broadly applicable um, cards, right? Like any non-attack action. So Ira can swing this for seven and get something back. You know, as a brute, you can play it. If they let it through, you can just, you know... Get, get a blood rush or a Yeah, brushing. whatever back. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, just use your imagination. It uh, applies a lot of pressure and, you know, because a lot of times your opponent will, you know, I'll block for three or I'll use my defense reaction block for four and then keep my good hand. Yeah. And this card's like, I get one of the best cards in my deck back on top, not just into it. Yeah. Um, which I think has a lot of value. And I think I think this card will shine later on. Yeah, I think so too. I also think there's this like suite of... Um, two costed six attacks for warrior that you could sub in and out for um kind of a sidestep warrior play right uh, the obvious pick for the most competitive situation is command and conquer right but right. not everybody has command and conquer um so with like one blue right you can spend one resource swing with dawn blade with a grip full of cards and be like, cool, you're going to like overcommit to this one Dawnblade swing? Yeah, like hit and run it or something. Yeah, so then exactly. It's... So as go again. Yeah. And then maybe they overcommit, and then you're just like, cool, then I just Cadaverous Contraband you on the back end here and right. get back my like Iron Song uh, Determination or um, Steel Blade Supremacy or something like that. Right, that's you know? what's wild on top of your deck. Yeah, not just... and I just draw it next turn, and now it's like, cool, you're yeah. going to handle this combo or what? Yeah, and uh, knowing this, maybe you can or can't, but uh, you could potentially arsenal a card and then draw this card you picked, and then you're looking at a pretty good hand coming up. Yeah. You yeah. know, or on the flip side, like if, you know, if you could uh, grab some sort of, I mean, obviously it's a non-attack action card, which limits it, but you could also fish for something you want to defend with, potentially, not a defense reaction, but... You gotta enchant. Well, you'd have to play enchanting melody on your like next turn. No, oh, I guess so. Yeah, so and it wouldn't grab any instants like Irina's Prayer or anything like that. Right. So, so obviously limited, but could be a nice combo piece. Yeah, and it's. I mean, it's two for six, which is like, just like, par for the course, but is like good value, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you play it and they're forced to block, they only have two cards left. Yeah, that's fine. Definitely. 
Um, okay, so another card I have is Vigor Rush. So the red card, it comes in all three colors. The red card costs one, pitches for one, attacks for four, defends for two. And Vigor Rush reads, if you have played a non-attack action card this turn, Vigor Rush gains go again. Which I think is pretty good. You know, like the fact that you could uh, Nimbleism, Vigor Rush, and that's only one pitch card. And so it could be a blue or a yellow and you still could follow up with a a second attack because it gains go again and it's buffed is pretty good. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of surprised that uh I mean, I would argue it takes a semi aggro or mid-range deck to play this card, right? Because you you know, you need to play a a non-attack action than this. And then maybe it's just your weapon following it. But um but it could be any like um so like poison the tips, right? You could play poison the tips, then play vigor rush. And now it's like, okay, are you going to take this four damage? Probably, because you're going to have to like want to block my arrows because they're right. going to make you discard cards. Or I was thinking take aim or what, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because then like it skips a class, that, but still counts. Mm-hmm. A class-specific card, and so your opponent knows that the hurt is coming after this card. Right, or anything, an enchanting melody or, you know, whatever. Yeah, totally. You could it play a melody and then Vigor Rush and then something else, which right. is pretty sweet. Oh, um, so yeah, I think maybe in pretty limited or tall decks, maybe this card's a little harder. But you know, in a in a lot of decks, you you know you save a non attack action to play, and then maybe if you draw a rig- vigor rush, you choose to save a non attack action to play. Um, I like that pick. Good pick. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I think it, it's it's a pretty good card because most decks, right, run a non-attack action. Some yeah. don't have go again, right? Like Guardian, a lot of their cards, do, they don't have go again. But I think this is a good, if you're at home and you're building the, the Sledge Guardian deck, right, include Vigor Rush and Mage Master Boots because then you can emerging dominance, right, your... It, with mage master boots to give it go again hit figure rush and then like blast them with a dominated thing you know what i mean which is possible <laughs> nice yeah so or just follow up with a freaking sledgehammer you know you could do that i think that's, that's seven the, resources the i best. guess so you need, <laughs> oh no save, eight resources save three more cards yeah <laughs> Okay, well, never mind. You'll you figure it out at home. You guys can. Yeah. You guys can. This do is your it. homework. Yeah, totally not mine. Also, Sledge of Anvilheim is probably the best named weapon. Oh, for sure. Which is a pretty good incentive think, to use. I it. think Reaping Blade is pretty good too. That is good. Yeah, but not as good. Definitely number two to Sledge of Anvilheim. Well, I also like Death Dealer, you know, but Ugh, that's like too. I don't know. On the nose. Okay. You know what I mean? Well, anyway, moving on. Okay. So, what's our next card? We digress. Um, Well, we whoosh over to you. Um, Okay. So, a card I really love is uh, Rifting. Mm -hmm. Red one costs two, attacks for six. If it hits, you may play your next non attack action card this turn as though it were an instant. Totally. Also been featured on Pick Pass Prey. Right. Yeah. 
Um, so I think partly what balances uh, these cards with hit effect, you know, they cost two and hit for six. So they're yeah. like fairly easy to block unless you buff them. Right. Um, Pummel. <laughs> Pummel targets. Just for another two. <laughs> yeah, totally. I know. Um, what? Lunging press, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so I don't run this in any or either of my decks, but this is just another one of those open-ended, extremely powerful abilities, right? Or extremely potentially powerful abilities. Right, there you go. You know. Nice. Um, do you want to weigh in on this card? Yeah, I th- I think this is maybe one of my favorite two for six attack cards because of the um, combo potential, right? Um, so you could run Lunging Press, right? And attack with Rifting. Let's just use Warrior for an example. And then boom, it hits. And you get to play your next non-attack action. And then you could play like uh, Iron Song Determination, hit and run, and then swing with Dawnblade, you know? Right, because uh, so whatever non-attack action card you play after it, if it has go again, it yeah. just keeps going again, mm-hmm. right? So you can play, um, you know, just a Nimbleism or whatever, and then you get to swing with whatever after that. Yeah, totally. Which is pretty nuts. Yeah, it's really, really cool. I think it's probably like, you know, an Ira build makes that a seven. Right. You know what I mean? And although maybe like you're not building it with um, kind of non-attack action buffs, but you could be. I also like this card because say you swing with it, right? And then you have your like nimbleism something set up afterwards. Yeah. If they then block, right? And you're not set up to, you know go over the top then you just they're out two cards you arsenal your nimbleism and then you're coming up you know just going at them harder next turn yeah hopefully. exactly it's a card that kind of like maybe For- needs some pressure yeah forces two cards out of their hand or you know breaks equipment or whatever yeah definitely i mean i think it's it's probably pretty good with like a scab a nice scab skin roll well i guess you don't even need it in scab skins then yeah, um, it's a little different than Cadaverous Contraband because Cadaverous Contraband kind of operates on its own to set yeah. up next turn, whereas Rifting, you maybe want to hold it, maybe with a pummel, but or have it and then have cards to use after it, which is its only like kind of handicap, right? Is you need to have those cards in hand. Yeah, yeah I mean, you could also use it in like a uh, as your second attack, but then everything afterwards has to probably be pretty cheap. You know, right. It just has, like you said, the potential to be really exciting in a certain combo. Or what feels really good is if, say, you block with a card or two cards and then have two in hand, one in arsenal or three. Um, then you play Rifting and then, like, play an Energy Potion as the card after it. You know? Yeah. Because then you're swung for six, set up again. Yeah. Anyway. Just one of these infinitely possible cards yeah, that totally. we, we really hope to see just run rampant in the future. You know, not too broken, but... Yeah, totally. I don't think it will be because of its its cost at six. Um, let's see here. Looks like we only have one card left. Right. Okay. What, what um, card is it? Snag. Which is played sometimes, yeah. I think, but is not seeing perhaps as much play... 
as when it first was spoiled, right? Um, also, some of the like most intense artwork in the game. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to call it good because that feels <laughs> like a too positive of a <laughs> yeah descriptor for this artwork. But it's a uh, very good artwork, I guess. Yeah, well illustrated. Yeah, do you want to read what this card does? Yeah, totally. Sorry, I'm getting off the rails here. Had a, had a few drinks, you know. Uh, so Snag is a generic instant. It's blue, costs zero, pitches for three, no attack, no defense. And it reads, attack action cards can't gain attack from their own effects or the effects of attack reaction cards this turn. Right, so it does not apply to weapons. Right, because it says attack action cards. Right, and it doesn't apply to buffs, like a nimbleism or whatever, a pre, mm-hmm. pre-buff. But I I picked this card because, and maybe people are using it effectively, I, I don't know. Um, that's part of the problem with the pandemic world, is we're all in our own little play bubbles. Yeah, definitely. Um, but... I like this card because it doesn't block, which is pretty rough, but because it's a blue, you can maybe have one in your deck or maybe two and pitch it throughout the game, and then you see it later, and if your opponent is swinging big with pummels or even razors or cards that buff themselves, which are like more common than you might think, then this this is a blue, right? It like pays for your game, and then at the end it like shuts down their win condition in the, in the dream. Right. You yeah, know? Yeah. Well, and it's an instant too. So you can like, you know, it can be played in those kind of after they've already burned their attack reaction. Right. Like after they've played the pummel. Yeah, exactly. Then you play it. Or it's like, you know, it, right away it's like, Oh, it's really good against Ninja. Right? Yeah. So definitely. like, um, you know, open the center that gains plus or surging strike or, Right. whirlwind gust wave you know any of those well, combo like, cards yeah, innumerable <laughs> yeah that get that get a plus you could just snag so it's easier for you to defend against yeah those cards that they play that buff themselves and then they can like razor or ancestral in part like they have all these ways to then further mm-hmm. buff them these auto block cards that ninjas play yeah are like this solves mm-hmm. that yeah and i and again this hints to the kind of suite of cards we've seen from Crucible is like kind of the more instance, right? Yeah. Like we're getting some more cards that are played at instant speed, you know? And, yeah, and this is another kind of like shut them down in a very specific instance Ca- card. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you're crushing it. <laughs> okay, so those are all the cards. Um, those will be on a list for you to get 10% off of any of these singles from Fab Foundry. Um, I'm going to use the code underplayed10 at checkout. Click the affiliate link. And so that's it for our main topic, which means we get to get to everybody's favorite part of the podcast, our signature segments, pick, pass, pray, game from the closet, and riddle me this with Isaac. So first, we have pick, pass, pray. So the idea here is that we're in a draft scenario. I'm going to give you three cards. And you're going to choose one, pray you get one back, and pass the other one. I'm ready. Pick, pass, pray. This okay. Is a, yeah, okay. Ready. Yeah. So this is something we haven't done before. We're going to do class cards. So the idea here is you're going to pick the card 
that is going to then skew you to play one class over the other. Okay. Okay? So first card up we have is Yellow Aether Flare. So it's a wizard action, costs one, pitches for two, defends for three. And it reads, deal two arcane damage to target opposing hero. The next card you play this turn with an effect that deals arcane damage instead deals that much arcane damage plus X, where X is the damage dealt by Aether Flare. Right? Okay. So if you deal two, if you deal one damage, you get to deal a little extra. Sounds good. All right. It's the yellow. Next up, we have Cartilage Crush Blue. It's a guardian attack action. Pitches for three, costs three. Attacks for five, defends for three. And it has a crush effect. If Cartilage Crush deals four or more damage to a hero, their first action during their next turn costs an additional resource to play. Got that? Yep. Okay, here's the third and final one. It's a ninja attack action, rising knee thrust, red. Pitches for one, costs zero, attacks for three, defends for three. And it reads, combo. If leg tap was the last attack, this combat chain, rising knee thrust, gains plus two and go again. So Isaac, which one are you going to pick? Which one are you going to pass? Which one are you going to pray that you get back later? I'm going to pick Aether Flare. Bum, bum, bum. Because Wizard is particularly fun and strong in uh, draft is similar to Blitz uh, setup. Sure. You know. Um, I guess the yellow is less ideal, but, uh, you know, Aether Flare is also a very good Wizard card to set up their, uh, you know, one of their potential combos. Right. Um, I'm gonna pray rising knee thrust comes back around um because in addition to its combo value it uh it's a free three attack and blocks for three mm-hmm. so just a just good in your ninja suite right and um ninjas maybe a little easier character to set up in draft mm-hmm. um maybe that's how I feel. <laughs> So as your backup character, that would be a good pick. Mm. And then Cartilage Crush Blue is, uh, I mean, stacking your Guardian deck with blues is necessary, right? Um, I don't think this card is particularly good. So I'm going to pass on it. Okay. Am I wrong? Well, I don't know. Well, what do you think? Well, I think it's a pretty tough decision. I think that Aether Flare is a pretty good card, but the yellow is a little bit too easy to block, right? So not a very strong wizard card. Rising Knee Thrust is really good just because it's a zero attack card. So you could pitch one card, Kadachi, Kadachi, right? Right. And then Rising Knee. But I think that... Cartilage Crush is the one I'm going to pick. Yeah. Right? Because that Bravo's ability to kind of on-demand dominate is probably pretty... It is very strong in a draft scenario where you have 
maybe more generics than you normally would have. So more damage is going to get through. So I'm going to want to play Bravo. And I know that Cartilage Crush is a pretty efficient card because it costs one card to play, but also pays for things and blocks for three. So it's very flexible in like a strategy that I could uh, potentially beat everybody down with. So you're picking Bravo for his on-demand dominate for other cards, though. Because yeah. I thought about this for mm-hmm. this card, but dominating a five doesn't do much. You need to, for the crush effect, you right. need to buff it. Then. Yeah, totally. But the fact that I could just get two damage through. Right. Like a blue that see. does something and blocks. Yeah. yeah. Um, and my reasoning for that is because I don't think that the other two cards are particularly stronger. Right? So, like, Rising Knee is good, but I don't think it's better than cartilage crush right now because i'm unsure if i'm going to get the other combo pieces and aether flare is maybe not the most ideal wizard card i would want to choose to set me down that path but that all being said i'm going to pick cartilage crush i'm going to pass on aether flare and i'm going to pray that rising knee thrust comes back and that if i need to also back up a class i could be i could choose ninja as my backup class. Good choices. Hey, thank you. Yeah. And you're right. Yellow Aether Flare is definitely more underwhelming. Yeah, totally. Um, so, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. So, there you go. There's Pick, Pass, Pray. Let nice. us know uh, what you out there in the audience would have picked and passed and prayed that you got back. Um, so, next up, we have our second signature segment, Game from the Closet with Isaac. So, we... Every episode, pick a game um, in a game, not our favorite game. We just play a lot of games, and we love games, or whatever it is that you say took your thing. But, oh, no, great. So it's Isaac's episode to choose a game that he thinks is cool and wants to give a quick pitch on. Yeah, we play a lot of board games, totally. so you know we like to share about those too. Yep. Um, the game I'm picking this time is... Uh, Mitch and I's favorite board game of all time, and my sister's, uh, Risk Legacy, which is a, obviously a legacy game where you play, I think, 10 or 15 rounds. So what does a legacy game mean? Um, you play this board game over and over again, and the game evolves as you play uh, in a lot more crazy ways than you would imagine. You write on, put stickers on, modify the board, and open new boxes of content that manipulate the gameplay, the available tool sets, like all of these things. Um, There's a number of legacy games out there, but this is by far our favorite. Um, If you're turned off by the risk label, it uh, operates very differently in terms of mechanics because the win condition is to take over uh, a couple other headquarters, not control the entire board. Mm. So it's not this like dry, drawn out, long game where you're, it's like this slow grind, like, you know, the old risk was. This is like a, you know, a brutal battle over territories between friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to spoil anything, but the, uh, the legacy aspect uh is really fun in this game 
uh, plays probably three to five players. I don't know if you'd play it with two, but it's just excellent. If you want to bitterly battle with your friends over the winter. <laughs> so I remember that time you would like, those games were so monumental to the three of you that every time we would hang out after you guys played, you would like give me the blow by blow recap. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> oh yeah. So Caitlin hasn't won it. My sister who played mm-hmm. hasn't won in a while. So she, and then we pick like the best spots. So she like throws down in Japan first turn marches into Australia and kills Mitch off, <laughs> you know? So he's gone first turn and then marches across to Africa and kills somebody else. Like very shortly after, you know, beforehand stating like I'm out for throats this one or something and then just proceeds to rampage across it uh yeah great game that's so fun um you're also given like missiles and certain mechanics to like mitigate unlucky dice but it is still at its core risk they've just gotten rid of that like dry long haul right style to it and so the idea behind legacy games is that they're like this big grand experience that only happens one time right and so once you're done, you're you're done. But yeah. you know, you did it. Um, I don't have a uh, riddle me this this week. Oh because... god damn it! Then why the hell are we here? <laughs> Just I'm throw sorry, this episode in the trash. We'll re-record it. The whole thing's and ruined. Then we'll pick a card. <laughs> no, but <sighs> well, <laughs> it's okay. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> no, we covered uh, we covered so many of these cards. That, you know, I could have picked, right? Because oh, they're, yeah. like, underplayed. Sun was in your eyes. Mechanically strong, complex. Strong breeze. So, uh, yeah, pick any of those cards we covered. Totally. Would you like to add anything, Taylor? I couldn't quite. What was that? Oh, no, it's just fine. <laughs> uh, I don't know what that was. Or um, would you like to choose a uh, Riddle no, Me This? It's not my segment. <laughs> um, I think that's fine. Uh, great job. Overall. Any, any of the cards. <laughs> that we covered um well that's our episode thank you everyone for listening um inbox is still really empty on the gmail i don't know if anybody uses email we keep waiting i got a free ira deck yeah but we get like facebook love and stuff you know yeah totally yeah which brings us to uh please like the attack action podcast on facebook um that helps us interact with you, our listener base, and that sort of thing. Um, please send us a message on Facebook or Gmail at the Attack Action Podcast at gmail.com and let us know your thoughts on any episode, any topic, anything we've talked about. Uh, we would love to interact with you more. Like, don't don't sit at home and be like somebody else is emailing them. Like, go ahead and be the person to email us or send us a message. You know, um, that grows the community. It, it grows our psych. Um, it actually, you know, it empowers you as being a person who is involved in the community outwardly. Um, even if it's just to say like, Hey, that Taylor guy has too many stupid jokes, you know, <laughs> like that's totally fine. You can say that or we'll take that on the chin and just keep podcasting or maybe we'll stop podcasting forever. But I'm telling you that that type of behavior is okay. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Um, so let us know. On great, those. great pitch. Thanks. Uh, you can find us on Discord also. Uh, I'm Mr. Beefhammer. 
um, in Isaac's Ejoc, right on Discord. We're usually in the Rune Blade or Ranger channels. Also, yucking uh, it up. Yeah, look out for uh, Taylor's interview. Oh yeah, with with solo intro, new new player teaching new players. <laughs> there you go, holiday you, episode. Yeah, totally. Um, we're also cooking up new uh, our our own new brute and warrior builds that'll be in a soon future episode. Yeah, just those are a lot of work and play testing. So maybe next one maybe sometime in january yeah totally start of the new year you you can expect um some bigger and better things from the podcast um our whole aim i think in 2021 is for us to be involved more in the flesh and blood community and to cultivate as much uh community psych uh community love community uh momentum as we possibly can um because once we get done with this pandemic we want to be able to like just you know basically run wild and play flesh and blood all over the place so um we're going to try to make it as popular as we can in our area and the extended area so uh look out for those episodes coming up those are going to be pretty exciting Uh, So that's it. That's our show. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it, and we love you a ton. Also, did we miss any cards? Did did we? Happy holidays. Oh. (laughs) No, I was asking them if. Oh. (laughs) Okay, well, you're just looking straight at me, so I was like, oh, crap, did we forget something? Well, I can't look at them. Oh. But did it was there an underplayed interesting card that we did not think of? Oh, yeah, totally. Let us know. You know the, the formats where to get those things. Remember to click the affiliate link, underplayed 10 at checkout, 10% off of any card listed in the show notes. Happy holidays. Yeah, happy holidays. And uh, we'll talk to you next time.